0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Yes, we all know where that is immediately, right? Go to the book of Matthew and take a left and go back five books and you'll find this little tiny <clears throat> four-chapter book Uh, where an Old Testament prophet has a conversation with God, and we'll be using that uh, in just a few moments. If you are visiting today, my name is Mark. I get the privilege of being one of the ministers, and we're excited you're here today. We're in the series that Chip mentioned a little bit earlier in our time of musical worship, where we talk about pathways. Pathways is our verbal word picture for uh, the concept of following Jesus in this thing called discipleship. Jesus told us that it's a narrow path that follows him, and few want to, to walk it. Few want to go down it. And so in our series, what we've tried to do is define the fact that in week one, God's glory has made itself available to us. Now, God's glory is not meant to intimidate us, even though it can. God's glory is to reveal himself to us, who he is, why does he do what he does, why does he ask of us what he does. And in week two, we talked about what are the things that you and I can do universally They're not not climbing huge mountains and doing incredible tasks. They're the everyday tasks of life. What can we do to connect with the God who connects with us? How do we open ourselves up to his glory so we know him better? And we used Hebrews chapter 10, and we came up with three basic things. Number one, live a life of worship, and that's not an event like this. It's being aware of who God is and responding in awareness to what God is doing all around you. The second thing is to hold on to hope when life punches you in the face. When you feel like you can't breathe and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do next, hold on to the hope that God's word matters, God's voice still matters, and God still works. And the third thing we talked about then in week two as we draw nearer is to be in community with one another, to not isolate ourselves and walk our own walk, but walk together and draw strength and encouragement from those around us. Then last week, we talked about how do we hear the voice of God in our world today? And we looked at opening the word and letting God speak. Letting him reveal himself to us, who he is, what he's doing, and why he's doing it, and respond in like to that. Today, I want us to talk about how do we spend time with a God who listens and not just a God who speaks. What can you and I do to engage God in a way that not only do we hear his voice, but we actually speak ours? Because when Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would have the same relationship with his father that he has, he invited us into this. This is not for the elite. This is not for those special, super spiritual people who have it all figured out because none of them exist. This is for everyday people like you and me. How do we engage a God and speak to a God who speaks to us? And that's what I want to talk about today. David Mathis, in a book I read recently, said, we must understand that not only does God express himself and call us to hear his voice, but he desires to hear ours too. God wants to have this living relationship So some people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, take everything that God expects of us and boil it down. What is it really all about? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you are loved. That's what it means to be a disciple of of God, To, to be a disciple that follows Jesus and learns the way of the kingdom and learns how to live their life to honor him. What does it all look like? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so what I want to do today is show you that in the scriptures, in the everyday events of life, you and I can connect with the God who's connecting with us. And on this pathway of discipleship, it's not a solo act. It's done together and it's encouragement together and so forth. So let's begin. I want to focus again on why we do it, not just how we do it. Although today will be more practical at the end than we've been so far in our series. So let's begin with some of the things we can do to connect with God. Being with God in heart and soul, right? Heart, soul, mind, and strength, Jesus said. How do we connect with God in our heart and soul? <clears throat> the New Testament would call it prayer. The Old Testament would call it prayer. God would say, have a conversation with me. Now, what I need to do is take away what the word prayer has meant to us. We, we might, by default, turn prayer into a moment where we bow our heads, close our eyes, fold our hands, and sit silently for a little bit of time. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not really The the why of prayer. That might be the how. And if you make everything about how, you can become legalistic and never connect with any of it. So what do we do? We connect our heart and our soul with God in prayer. Prayer is a reflective response to the grace of God. I want you to think about that with me. It's a reflective response to the grace of God. Prayer is not just something you do, excuse me, And after five or ten minutes of telling God everything you think and everything you want, you just say, hang up, I'm done. Prayer is a reflective response to the grace of God. And so what I want to encourage you to do is don't disconnect your listening to God in the Word of God from your speaking to God in the prayer. Make them one and the same. As you're reading and you come across something that reveals God's goodness to you, talk to Him about it connect with Him. Now, you might speak, you might pray verbally, or you might pray silently. I have to, because I'm a spaz, I have to pray vocally. Because if I ever try to pray silently, I just go off on little rabbit trails. The next thing, I'm checking box scores, and I'm off to work. So I'm probably the only one in the room, right? So when I go in my office, I have a little shade that goes over the window into my office and I close it, because I don't want anybody walking by my office. You know, in the book of Acts, they saw them praying and speaking in tongues and thought they were drunk. I'm afraid some of the staff will see me in my office and think, he's hammered. I'm not. But if I don't pray vocally to God, it doesn't connect with me. And so I'm going to encourage all of you that prayer is a reflective response to the grace of God. It's being with Him and speaking to Him, and it doesn't have to be formal. It can just be communication. In Psalm 6, verse 9, it says, The Lord accepts my prayers. This is what we talked about last week. This is less a science and more of an art. It's how you communicate With your father. It's how you see something in the scripture when God speaks to you in a sunset or in a moment with your family, and you just say, Thank you, Father. Because prayer has so many pieces of it in scripture. There is that moment of adoration where we notice something about God or we feel the goodness of God, and we just say to God, You're the best. You are glorified. You are the best thing that's ever happened to me. You are pure and kind and gentle. And even sometimes when you have expectations on us that I don't understand, I know in my heart they're for my good. You have a time of thanksgiving. The the Bible says, offer God your thanksgiving. When something happens in your life that you're blessed with, just thank the Father for it. Remember where it came from. All good things come from him. My grandfather and father used to make me laugh because one time my dad said he'd rather pray after the meal because then he was actually thankful. And I thought, that works. There's no formality to it. It's not a science, it's an art. It's a funny guy. And then there's confession. Confession is when we come across the voice of God and we realize we're not living right. We're not living up to our expectation. You see, the one thing I know about 100% of this room is none of us have the relationship with God we wish we had. And so because of that, this pathway of following Jesus draws us closer to the God who draws close to us. And then there's something in the scriptures, well, theologians call it supplication. This is when you came before a king and you bowed down and you asked for something that you did not deserve. You asked for his help. And supplication is when we go to the Father and we pray on behalf of others, and we lift up others, and we pray for the kingdom, and we pray for growth, and we pray for our children, and we pray for our children's spouses one day. And these are all acts of supplication. When someone's undergoing surgery, we ask that God would be with them. And I, I was taught as a kid, and I, I always remember this, and I don't think my parents realized what an impact it had on me, but one time an ambulance went by our car, we pulled over to the side of the road, which we used to do, right? You pulled over to the side of the road and let the ambulance shoot down, and my dad simply looked back in the back seat, and he said, hey boys, hey, boys, Pray for whoever's waiting for that ambulance. And that made an impact on me. Prayer is not a get on your knees and bow your head and close your eyes. You can if you want, you don't have to. In fact, the most common posture of prayer in all the scriptures is hands open looking to the heavens or or kneeling in front of God. And so however you pray, I want you to get today that God wants you to connect your soul and heart to him. And the way we do this scripturally, without a doubt, is to speak to the Father who's speaking to us. And Paul said this four different times at least. Listen to how Paul would encourage every church. Be constant in prayer, Romans 12. Continue steadfastly in prayer, Colossians. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, Ephesians 6. Create sacred space to listen to the voice of God and speak to that same God. Whether it's written or verbal, or silently in your own heart. This, any one of us can do it, and God desires you to do it. He invites you to do it. Second thing, how do we connect and be with God in mind? Silence and solitude. Now, this may seem contradictory to some of us. I just said, talk to God, will you? Now I'm saying, be quiet, will you? But you understand that in any good dialogue, any good conversation you have with anybody, there is the interaction of silence and words. Now, I could give a gender joke here, right? Ladies, sometimes when your husband isn't saying anything, nothing is wrong. Gentlemen, back me up. Thank you. You see, it doesn't always have to be prayer is not just this monologue ripped at God for as long as you can withstand it. Sometimes it's speaking and listening and speaking and listening and sometimes just being quiet. Now, we all have a mixture of this. In in Job chapter 33, Job ripped off a huge bunch of claims that he wanted God to answer. God, you're going to answer me. And God said, pay attention, Job, and listen to me. Be silent, and I will speak. In other words, God's like, are you done? And then in Habakkuk 2.20, it says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The presence of God should draw both silence and solitude at times to get away to be with him. You see, this is the moment where our prayers become reciprocal rather than a monologue. And some of us, let's be honest, some of us can handle silence and solitude. I consider it a blessing. I read one time, and I think it's true. The best gift you can give an introvert is a canceled meeting. I'm like, oh my goodness, yes. I have one hour in my schedule that nobody knows I have open. I lock down. Now, some of you are like, I'm breaking out in hives thinking about that. Right? We're all different, but here's what we learn in Ecclesiastes. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to plant and a time to harvest. There's a time to be quiet and a time to speak. And there's a rhythm in all of us. None of us are exempt from this. Now, some of us need more solitude and silence than others, but we all need it. And it's a blessing. God has built us for these rhythms. And even in any conversation, if someone's doing all the talking, there's not a relationship there. But when there's silence and there's give and take and there's a response to what someone's saying, and this is how we draw close to the Lord. You see, it's not all these tricky things. God doesn't say, write a $10 million check, go out and raise $10 million and give it to the poor and then I'll know you love me. God says, no, I know you draw close to me because I've drawn close to you. Let that be what we have. Let it be relationship, not science or not methodology or not procedure. The point of practicing silence is so that we can hear God's, excuse me, not so we can just hear God's audible voice, but that we can actually silence ours so we can. It's preparing ourselves. So we're with God in heart and soul, in prayer. We're with God in mind, silencing our mind to be attentive on God, in silence and solitude. And we're with God in strength, in fasting. Now, if I did a pop quiz this morning, I would believe that 95, 98% of our audience this morning would say fasting means you do without food. But fasting has a bigger context than that. It doesn't have to be food. It's getting rid or doing without something for a period of time to seek something better and greater. Now, we all know that we can do this naturally, right? I was thinking about this after first service. There are moments when some of us get upset and, and something's on our mind, we can't solve a problem, and some of us hey, pop in your office or come by your house and go, hey, do you want to go grab lunch? And you always want to grab lunch. But because your mind is so focused on this one thing, your whole thought is, I don't think I'm going to eat lunch today. i got to figure this out. That's what fasting is. It's silencing all the noise and all the distractions and all the demands on your life to figure this thing out to draw close to God. Now, it may be food. Majority of the experiences in the Old Testament were food. But I also think there's a period of time where people stood to hear the entire Pentateuch read. So they gave up the comfort of being in a spot, and they just stood to remind themselves what they were in the presence of. And I can give you a list. I don't know what God is telling you. see, I'm really good at telling you how to live your life, but that's not what this is about. I have to figure out for myself what do I need to get rid of so I can hear the voice of God and be in his presence more it might be going to bed earlier and getting up earlier I have found for me and it only works for me maybe but I found in the morning there are less text messages and less phone calls and there's a beautiful period of time between 4.30 in the morning and 6.30 in the morning that nobody is up and you can be left alone now some of you are like I would never do that it's okay it's okay now maybe you're a vampire and yours happens at 1am God bless you I won't be calling you then. (laughs) Whenever your time is, it might be getting rid of the television. You know, my my dad taught me this a long time ago. If it has an on switch, it also has a what? An off switch. And I know this for a fact. The world will continue to revolve for the one hour you turn your phone off. We can live without you that long. None of us are so important that we have to be connected all the time. What is it that you could say to show God and show my own soul that this is important to me, I am going to begin to say no to some very good things so I can say yes to greater things. This is what fasting is at its core. I just want to be brief with this, but I, I did some research on what fasting is, and I found out here's just a few examples of what people fasted for in the Old Testament. strengthening To strengthen their prayers, to seek God's guidance, to express grief, to seek deliverance or protection to express repentance, to humble themselves in the presence of God, to express concern for the things God wanted done, to minister to needs of others, to overcome temptation, to express love and worship to God. You see, it's not a penalty. It's a moment where you get away. I, I hear we do this all the time. I have husbands say to me, yeah, I'm taking my wife away this weekend. She doesn't know. It's just she and I are going to go to such and such and spend the weekend. That is what we're talking about. You get to do with God. Get away from all the demands of life and spend some time, even if nothing is said, I'm focusing on that. So, I'd like to encourage us. Last thing I want to say, and this is a caveat fasting is not a hunger strike to get God's attention. You already have his attention. It's an opportunity to say no to all the noise and get rid of all the busyness that we wear like medals. I'm just so busy. And we Americans go, Oh, you're a real man and woman. Really? What are we not doing that would make life better for everybody because we're doing the things that always are expected? So how do you connect with mind, soul, body, and strength? How do you do you do this heart thing? How do you do all of it? Draw your heart and soul together to God in prayer. Focus your mind in silence and solitude on Him. And give your strength in fasting to get rid of the things you think you need to fully understand what you really need you already have and that's the presence of God and the grace of God and the love of God. Now, let's get to the practical part. I learned this in the late 1980s when I was in youth ministry. I went to a seminar, and this guy taught this, and I've used it ever since. Now, the way I do things doesn't mean you should do them that way, but I just want to introduce you to the simple formula, if you will, of not only why do we connect to God in this way, but how can we do this? What are some of the components found in Scripture that help us connect with God? Because most people think, I should pray more, but I don't like it. I don't know how to pray. I get bored. I speak for seven minutes. I feel stupid. I hang up. I move on. And I want more for you than that. I want you to understand that the God who speaks is the God who listens. And when we connect those two, it's powerful. So let's walk through this. It's found in the book of Habakkuk. Let me give you the background. This Old Testament prophet asked God a question. God told him that the Babylonians were going to come and take out the Israelites And are going to take them into captivity. And Habakkuk's primary question is, why would you use a less righteous people than these righteous people? Why would you use less righteous people against these righteous people? And God was simply saying, trust me. And the answer is, the wicked will not succeed. Any of them. It's a pretty powerful message. So in chapter 1, Habakkuk lists all of his questions. And then in chapter 2, he tells us how he got his answer. And what I want to show you is how he got his answer. Maybe how many of us can engage God in a meaningful way. So let's do this. Habakkuk two one and two. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he has to say to me and what I will answer con- and, and what will, I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. So in other words, all these questions. And he said, I'm going to do these things to position myself to receive the answer. And God said, I want you to write down what I'm going to tell you. In fact, most of the scriptures we have are moments like this where someone was told, God said, write this down, and they wrote it down. So let's begin. Now, I want you to, not to be too impressed, okay? But all of these begin with the W. You're welcome. Just, that's free. You don't even have to pay for that this weekend, right? So hopefully it'll help you remember. The first one, withdraw from the earthly kingdom. The first thing we have to do to be able to hear the voice of God is to turn off the noise. In Hebrews 2, 1, it says, I will climb my watchtower. Watchtower was a a word picture in the Old Testament. In the cities, they would have these watchtowers at strategic points on the walls of the city so that they could look to see if the enemy was coming over the horizon. In fact, in one Old Testament prophecy, it said that if a watchman is in the tower and he sees the enemy approaching and he doesn't warn the city, the blood of the city will be on his head. This is how important this position was. But the watchtower was elevated above the crowds, and there was only one person in each watchtower, and their whole focus was against, they had no other expectations on them but to watch for the horizon. And notice what happens here. The prophet said, if I want to hear the voice of God, I got to get away. Now, he's not suggesting you have to have a retreat home in the mountains of Colorado, although that'd be sweet. You can do that in your own home. I asked our staff. And they said most of them have a chair or a porch or a place in their home. They get away from their entire family and they just sit in a special spot and they get away from the world and that's their place with God. I have it in my office. Getting away, withdrawing from the world. It says in Luke five sixteen, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Lonely places. And I, I don't want to make too much of this, but I think I can make the point. If Jesus needed to do that, none of us are exempt. If we want what he had... We will create sacred space. Could be 15 minutes. Start there. Just 15 minutes. In Proverbs 2, there's a promise. If you look for it, wisdom, as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If you want it, you'll do it. But after you get to a quiet spot, the second thing is for you and me. Wait on God to speak. Because I'll suggest this. It's easier to find a quiet spot than to quiet yourself. Are you with me? I told you I can't pray silently because I'm a spaz. And I think a lot of you may be like me, unfortunately. In fact, one preacher said it this way. If you want to find out everything you need to do for the next seven days, just try to pray. Because instantly your mind will pop up. I need to call this guy and I need to do this and I don't have time for this. I got to get to work and off you go. I do it all the time and I'm I'm paid to be a Christian and I still do it. Hebrews 2, 1 says, I will station myself. That's a Hebrew word. I'm going to lock down. I'm going to create. I have a 30-minute tea time with God every morning, T-E-A, right? So I pour a big, huge mug of tea, and I sit in that spot, and there are times I waste 30 minutes, and I'm happy to do it. You know why? Because if God decides not to speak that morning, I still got to be in the presence and think about my Father. It is a waste of time, and we Americans hate that, and God loves it. Figure out which one you serve. Okay, So one of our greatest acts of worship is to be patient with expectations so that when God speaks, we can hear. And I do believe that God speaks to the person who takes time to listen. And I hate waiting rooms. How about you? I hate having an appointment at 3 o'clock, and I show up right at 3 o'clock, and at 3.20, they decide to come get me. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me my appointment was at 3.20? Because I don't wait well, do you? And sometimes God says, no, I want you to wait, because God may never be on your time, but he's always on time. And part of the lesson is in the waiting. And then, how do we do this? Well, we rest in God's provisions. What do we do while we wait? In Psalm 46, 10, how do we rest? Be still and know that I am God. What David tells us here, David is suggesting to us that what he does while he waits on the Lord is he just thinks about God. And wait in silence, Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. So we stop and think. Now, some people say you got to clear your mind. Well, isn't that... You know, transcendental meditation, isn't that all of, yeah, those things tell you to empty your mind, but we're not telling you to empty your mind, we're telling you to fill your mind. Fill it with who God is. Think about the glory of God. Draw close to his beauty and his majesty. Spend a few moments thinking how amazing he is, and don't be surprised if time passes quickly and your heart is lifted up. It's a positive. So we withdraw, we wait. Third, we watch. We watch for truth and direction. Now, this is going to weird some of you out, but I'm comfortable weirding you out if, if it's scriptural. And that is, in Hebrews 2, when it says, I will look to see what he says to me. Interesting terminology. Jesus would tell us to watch and pray. You see, when you pray and have a conversation with God, don't be surprised when God creates an image or vision in your mind that one day happens. Well, wait, wait, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. You better be comfortable with it because it's found throughout scripture. God speaks in word pictures. And for many of us who are visual learners, you can see things happening as someone's describing it. When someone's giving you a technique, your mind flips into it. I remember as an athlete, I didn't, couldn't, ha- couldn't stand a coach who screamed to me I wasn't doing the right thing. I needed a coach who told me how to do it. And when he told me how to do it, my mind could grasp it and off I could go. But a guy who just said, you're not good at this, I know. How do I get good at this? Well, when you talk to God, don't be surprised when all of a sudden you see yourself in a moment in time where you're sharing your faith with someone you love. Or when you realize this is what God has been showing me about me and I want to give this to him in honor. See what I'm saying, church? Jesus said, watch and pray because God will speak and he will cast a vision in front of you of what reality is and who he is. I will wait to see what he says. Ephesians 1 simply says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he's called you. The eyes of your heart to see. It's what Paul wanted for us and what Jesus wants too. In Hebrews 5.14, it tells us that our spiritual senses must be exercised in the living Bible. That God wants to open your ears, your eyes, your taste, your thoughts. He opens all of that in his presence. It changes us. Withdraw, wait, watch, write. Number four, write your understanding. In Hebrews 2, 2, it says, the Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly what I revealed to you. I'm not a journaler. And the reason I don't journal a whole lot is I have not found the scripture that says thou shall journal. Uh, I can't read my own writing, but I do sit down at my computer and I will come off my prayer time with two or three things I want to write down. A thought I had that I'd never had before and I want to research if it was correct. Is it in the scriptures or, or someone to call? Many times when I sit down and have my quiet time with God, two or three people's names will pop in my mind. I've learned to just write them down. Just type them in my computer and I'll contact those people that day. I have learned that when God gives me a name in my prayer time, I better reach out and find out what's up. Sometimes I call them. I'm like, hey dude, so I was thinking about you this morning. They're like, oh, things are good. I'm like, okay, cool. Nice to talk. Other times, I'll contact them and they'll be like, it's funny that you would reach out today. I was going to call you this afternoon. I'm like, God talked? I could actually hear that time. You see, it doesn't make me an elite. It just simply means as the Spirit leads us and lays impressions on us, write them down, record them. Go back a year or five years from the date of your journal and realize what was God saying to you back then because that voice of God is important. And he told Habakkuk, Habakkuk said, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to share what God taught me. We shared last week, how do you have a quiet time if you weren't here? There's some sheets if you go into the resource center in our, uh, just beyond our, our cafe, and you go back there, there's some handouts we gave, or you can go on our website, cco.church pathways, and there's a downloadable PDF about how to have a quiet time, what questions to ask, how what some books that are available. We even have some books in our resource center. We don't make a profit off them. That's not our intention. But if you want to know the background of a text, who was he writing to? What would it have said to the original audience? We've put some resources available to you there that you may go check out if you want because we want you to understand God doesn't speak for just a moment God speaks for eternity what he says matters and lastly worship withdraw, wait, watch, write worship the gift of his presence this is what I want to encourage your hearts I imagine that some of us after last week said I'm going to do this I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to have a quiet time. I'm going to give 30 minutes. I'm going to open the Word. I'm going to read. You probably did two or three of the five days, and you think you're a loser. No, you're not. You're an obedient follower. Don't get discouraged and quit. It's a discipline. It takes effort and energy. And what happens if you open the Word and you read it, and you're like, I'm not sure what to do with this, and you try to pray, and you feel awkward, and you're like, Mark said to talk out loud, and my wife's looking at me like I've lost my mind. What do I do? Just worship. Waste 20 minutes with God today. Go for a walk. Sit in your chair. Look out the window. Turn off the noise for just a moment. Sit in his presence and worship him. If nothing else, you're aware that God draws near. He's not sitting on a throne in the heavens, removed and distant. He's for you. Habakkuk 3 says, O Lord, now I've heard your report, and I worship you in awe. You received some cards when you came in this morning. Would you make those available? I know many of you read those when you came in and I'm glad you did. But here's what we want to do this morning. I can tell you that God wants to speak with you and that you should draw back and speak with him. But if I tell you to do that, why wouldn't we just do that? we'd like you to do this morning is read that scripture verse where Paul prays this prayer. God, open the eyes of their heart that they may know the hope that they've been called to. And we'd like to just spend a few moments with you looking at the prayer that's written at the bottom. Lord, lead me to experience meaningful ways to be in your presence with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. When you read that, your first thought might be, what is meaningful? Focus on that. Ask God about that. If you say, I've tried this and it hasn't worked for me, talk to God about that. Ask God how to connect you in mind, soul, heart, strength because he wants that more than you do. Let's spend just a few moments talking to him about that.